This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Dramatic pause. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Dramatic pause is a go-to for podcasters, presidents, and Radio voiceovers. It makes you look really smart, even if you're not. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Dude Shoes. Light, comfy, good to go to. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frame. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hun, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. Welcome back to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Craig Coben and Emilio Donnell. This is our post-match show of Fulham's victory against Preston North End, which brings Fulham back to the Premier League. We're going to talk all about it, and I cannot wait to get into talking about it. I want to thank everyone for being patient with me to getting back from Orlando, but I got back. I know it's a day later, but we're still going to talk about the match, and I look forward to it. And if you're watching us Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're really trying to build this up. We're going back to the Premier League. We need people to follow us on YouTube (laughs) to help other Fulham supporters and other fans of other teams find us. So please subscribe to Cottage Talk on YouTube. Okay. Craig, I'm going to go to you first. First, welcome back. And uh, I hope things are going well. Give me your opening thoughts of last night. Maybe start with a celebration and we can talk about the match. Just your overall experience at Craven Cottage, watching Fulham get promoted once again to the Premier League. Well, Russ, I was standing in the Hammersmith end in, in row QQ in the H5 block 
which as you know is one of the more vocal parts of the stadium and the fans were all chanting how you know we're going on the pitch and when the <laughs> stewards came out in about the 85th minute uh everyone booed them and started to go down towards the pitch ready to uh invade it irrespective of what the stewards were going to try to do it was like King Canute trying to stop the flood coming into the city. It was uh, just a massive number of people. It was really a carnivalesque atmosphere. People really having a good time. Obviously not much suspense. It was quite clear. We yep. were always going to get promoted. And once we went two or three goals up, it was quite clear that this was going to be the night. So it was a fun, funny, uh, joyous experience. Really an unforgettable night at the cottage. That's fantastic, and I'm glad that you had a chance to experience it. Emilio, just give me your overall experience. You were there as well, and what's great is that I could talk to both of you. You experienced this. What is your experience from last night? Hi, hi, Greg. Great to have you back on the show. It's been a been a long time. You know, it's been a very long time, and uh, yeah, it just for me, it was all about not necessarily about the performance on the pitch. The performance was a championship winning performance. Couldn't, you know, couldn't, we, we rode a bit of luck the first 10 minutes, stepped up a couple of gears. Game was all pretty much done and dusted by half time. It was all the things, the, the celebrations, the things that, that Craig mentioned, you know, those, you don't experience that every, every day, to be honest. You know, we saw, we saw that at Wembley four years ago, Russ, when you came over, yep. that was at Wembley, not on our own pitch, different experience, great celebrations. Two years ago, you know, nobody was at Wembley. It didn't feel that didn't feel so much as a celebration. I remember I was very downbeat after winning that final, if you remember on the show, saying actually I was worried yep. about next season. But today I know you're already on much, to next season. Yeah, you know, it was this time around, you're there, some you know, going on the pitch, you know. There's me if everyone else is doing it, so am I. I'm gonna jump on the jam bandwagon, climbed over the hordes, hurt my back in a process by maybe jumping, you know, maybe the 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 drop was lower than I thought, so I slightly hurt my back, but it was worth it, you know, walking on that hollow turf, you know, beautiful grass, just touching the grass with your own hands. The, the players within metres away from you. Then the players went back into the dressing room, came back out, celebrated with the fans, you know, got some great footage, great videos. That's what I'll remember more about yesterday. It's that sort of pure celebration. I know we haven't won the champ, we haven't won the title yet, but Not overall, yet. we don't experience those scenes every day. The ones that spring to mind was when we beat Derby County in the playoffs a few years back. You know, that was something similar. Obviously, Europa League getting to the final, the Hamburg second leg, similar type of scenes. And going back all the way to 1982, when we beat, when we drew with Lincoln City, we had to avoid defeat in that game. And we scraped through one or Rob Wilson and Gordon Davis remember that game very wow. well. And again, a lot of people jumped onto the pitch and just celebrated with the, with the, with the players because we got promoted that year. So that was, for me, what I remember, I'll take away with yesterday. Just, just nice spring evening, warm sunshine, clean sheet, three points, promotion, and celebrating with the fans and the players. What more can you ask for? So, yeah, overall, that's what I'll take away from the game yesterday. Okay. Yeah, it was a – it was a. It reminded me a lot of Derby 2018. Yeah. It was very different from the pitch invasion, which I recall, which was uh, the win over Chelsea in 2006, um, <laughs> which, uh, which precipitated some fighting and a little bit of mayhem yeah. and carnage. Okay. Well, th that's where I was going to go with you guys, because again, I wanted to focus on the celebrations, what was interesting. And I got to watch a lot of video and I've watched, and the club has basically released some really good videos. And one they just released probably a couple of hours ago, which really 
shows you inside the dressing room, the players coming back out. It also shows this, guys. I don't know if you got a good view of this, but I'm curious your thoughts about Marco Silva <laughs> taking a ride. Craig, do you get a view of this? I could not believe they actually – there's a video of a fan basically putting him on his shoulders. What, what were you thinking when you were watching all this? I saw knee skins and the players getting rides. I, I was too far to be able to see any of that. Um, so I can't really comment directly. But it obviously was a joyous occasion. Mm-hmm. And um, although the club made a token effort to try to prevent a pitch invasion, it was quite clear it, that they were never going to be able to stop it just as they couldn't stop the fans from invading the pitch in 2018 <laughs> after we defeated Derby in the playoff and right. in, in, in the semi playoff semifinal. Um, you know, I, it's really just a celebration of, of what has been a phenomenal season for, for mm-hmm. all of us. And, you know, as I said, the, the spear in the ground was joyous, but a little bit carnivalesque. It was a little, it was boisterous, yeah, yeah. a little bit naughty, but in a kind of good way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I want to get your thoughts about that, Amelia, because again, I was watching this while on a plane coming back from Orlando. I got to watch the end and thankfully the stream kept going for a good 10 minutes. So I got to watch a lot of this and uh, you know, and again, I just want to mention gentleman Jim was a little critical about the celebration at first, but then uh, he noticed that his daughters were actually on the pitch as well. So he kind of changed this too, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> But I think he got the spirit of it. I guess he was just concerned for safety. I, I you know, again, I'm, that's just my guess on that. But what were your thoughts about the celebration just in general, Emilio? Because, again, it's been a great season. And I don't have no issue with the fans celebrating going on the pitch. It wasn't out of control. It didn't look like out of control to me. Well, it's if I take my example. So I remember I, was, I agree with Craig. What stood out was five, ten minutes before the end of the, the game, the stewards started lining up just behind the hammers and the then, and we knew clearly what they were there to do. And you know they weren't they weren't going to get yeah. You know, as far as I'm concerned, they were they're trying to do their job. But it, literally, when the final whistle went, it wasn't a massive flurry. It was just a gradual few, then a few more, then a few more. And suddenly, before you know it, within 30, 40 seconds, there was a mass invasion on the pitch. And I said, you know what, guys, if everyone else is doing it, let's go and do it ourselves. So I went down a few steps down into from where I sit in the Johnny Haynes stand. You know, it's not the easiest thing when you're carrying a work bag with a laptop on your shoulder, carrying that all around <laughs> and trying to climb over the hordes. I had to, one of the guys there, one of the stewards had, there was a little stool there. <sighs> Look at that stool. I said, I'm going to just stand on there, climbed over, but I, I forgot how deep the drop was. So that's when I hurt yeah. my back. And I just said, you know, everyone else is charging onto the field. So am I. And I just felt yeah. like Craig said, it was, it was a cheeky celebration. Yeah. Of life. You know, everyone, I think we warranted that. You know, it was, it was calm, it was good natured. No, clearly no aggression. And, you know, he just felt it was perfect conditions. Weather was dry. Pitch was perfect conditions. The players were clearly up for it. You can just see that, you know, the, the fact that they were just relaxing in the last 20, 30 minutes of that second half, just waiting for that final whistle to blow. So overall, I think there was, an inv- in a way, an invitation for us to go on the pitch. Does that make sense, Craig? I don't think yeah. it was, you know. Well, I, certainly I know the fans you, were, were chanting over in the last 20 25 minutes yeah. you know that we were go- that were they're going on the pitch i actually didn't go on the pitch for the record just so you know um <laughs> but i did see the invasion happen i think yeah. on from h h6 block um is where the the fans first started to stream on the little by little just uh uh you know the gates open and everybody poured onto the pitch mm-hmm. um 
you know, you don't want to condone pitch invasions. You don't want to make a yep. habit of it, but it is a special moment. And, um, and I think to some degree, if the, if the, if the uh, club really wanted to prevent the pitch invasion, it would have probably taken stronger measures. Yeah, right. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah. again, uh, I'm just mentioning what I was listening to and, and I want to give credit to Jamie, Sean Davis, and of course, gentlemen, Jim, they did an excellent job during this broadcast. And I think Jim was just, concerned about everyone's safety that's where i think where it's coming yeah. from but then you know and again you know later on he changed his tune so again i think he then saw what you guys saw and what you guys were involved and if emilio goes on the pitch you know it's a party so that's where i'm going exactly. on that but you know <laughs> Russ, after the first goal after the first goal Somebody threw a beer, and I, you know, a whole bunch of us got beer thrown on top oh. of us. So, you know, people were 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 you know probably not at their on their best behavior. I'm not saying it was ever threatening or yep. or, yeah. or hostile in any way, but okay, uh, it was a little bit. It was a little bit rowdy. Okay, and Very the good thing as well is, but after obviously, you know, the players eventually gone back into the tunnel, and thought actually the clouds started to disperse. Everyone started to leave, and so did we. And but then as I was walking down Stevenage Road, I got to the Johnny Haynes sta um, statue and I heard the tunnel saying, oh, the players are about to or you know, to return back to the pitch. Please return back to your seats in the stands. And then the players will return back. So I said, OK, let's go back into the ground. So we went back inside the stadium. But I actually went to the in, on the next in the stand next to the, the, uh, the cottage itself. So obviously had that view of the players coming out of the tunnels. We waited about 10 minutes. Everything was calm. People were back in, their, in the stands and then the players came out and did a a parade of their of their families and celebrations on the middle of the pitch and in front of the hammy end. So overall, that was part of the initial celebration. Things calmed yep. down and then went a bit a bit more, I'd say a little bit more calm and composed. But again, all credit to the players and the club allowing their players to come and celebrate promotion whilst we still got the championship title still to play for. Absolutely. I just want to share this little nugget. And again, I would recommend watching this video after the match of the players. Marco Silva and his staff. There's a part of this near the end, and you guys are going to laugh when I tell you this, of Boa and Rodrigo Muniz dancing. And, yeah. and, and basically, Boa trying to teach Rodrigo Muniz how to, da how to dance, and I thought that was just fantastic. Just, just a little nugget from that celebration. I'm like, this is just too funny, too nice, and seriously, guys, we deserve that. But yeah, here's my yeah. question to both of you that, mm. again, we're talking about this. Now, Emilio, I went with you to Wembley, so I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you both this question. Which Does this top Wembley? The, Emilio, does this top Wembley for you? I'm just – and I'll ask the people who are watching live. Oof. Does the victory last night top beating Aston Villa yeah. at Wembley? I know they're different, but does it top it for you, or is it the same? Um, I still think the, the the Villa one was. I think I had a better, a different experience, right? I think it was nice to celebrate promotion on your home ground in your own, you know, your own club. That was that was unique in that ex, in that view. But I think the Aston Villa felt more like a cup final. It feels like you've actually won silverware yep. in a bigger bigger crowd. There's more fans there, bigger stadium. You were there, of course, as well, so that made it even better. But for me, that if I had to top it off, we had what came off the back of 23 unbeaten games winning at Wembley. Yeah. We've had a great season this season dominating the title. So very dominant teams, but that felt more like a cup final victory. 
if that makes sense. Okay, yes, that's an interesting more, way to look you know, at it. You know, I felt it was nice to actually lift a trophy at Wembley, big stadium in front of the global audience. That felt that felt bigger to me. Okay, and that you're not going to get an experience with Fulham win a cup final very often, are we? So, for, how about for you, us, Craig? We've we've won a few promotions over the years. Okay, look, I agree with everything Emilio says, and I would just add another um, factor why I think the uh, victory in 2018 may may have been a little bit more joyous, if I can put it like that. And that is that we're getting promoted now for the third time in five years. And there is a sense in the back of our mind that um, we're going to be at risk of relegation. Are we really now just a yo-yo club, a little bit like another West Brom or Norwich? As opposed to, I think in 2018, when we were promoted, bear in mind the last time we were in the premiership, we had been there for 13 seasons. I think that there was a lot of optimism at the time you know, too much optimism that we'd be able to stay up. And so what you don't want is to feel that, you know, these promotions, they happen every few years and then we'll get relegated and then we get promoted. It takes a little bit of the the joy out of the whole process of promotion. It becomes almost routine, you know, because you know, West Brom will be up in the premiership in a couple of years time. Of course they will. Um, Whereas for us, you know, when we were relegated, it felt like, that we were condemned mm-hmm. to the lower divisions for a very long time. And then when we were promoted, it seemed like we were ascending almost to heaven. And so I think that was the sense that we had in 2018, as opposed to now where in the mm-hmm. back of our minds, the question is, and I'm sure we'll discuss it yep. now and in the future, how sustainable is, is our success and will we be able to stay in the premiership this time around? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, that's the question guys. And that's something that we'll be talking about obviously all the way up to next season because can they stay up? I believe they Mm. can, but there's a lot that needs to be done. And it goes back to what you just said, sustainability. Mm. And they need to find a way to become sustainable because right now the model that they've done this and let's call what it is, yo-yo, it works, but it's not going to be sustainable. They need to find a platform to stay in the Premier League long-term, like you said, Craig, for 13 years. They can do it again. If they did it once, they can do it again. But they have to find a way to make that sustainability. And there's a lot that goes into it. And we'll find out if they can figure that out. But, guys, I just want to share a couple of comments. We'll move on. This is from Dan Mason. Wembley was better for me as I always wanted to watch Foam play at Wembley. But last night was also special. This is from our co-host, Giannis. No, the Villa win was bigger. Wembley, John Terry Grealish. And that adoy challenge, okay, or as we always say when Craig's here, adoy. And before we move on, Craig, I have to ask you, how do you feel about Denny Adwa not being with Fulham anymore? Look, he was a great um, team servant, uh, a great player, uh, always classy on the pitch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> when you're a professional athlete, your career is fairly short, and um, I'm sure the club took into account what it had to take into account in deciding to move him on to, to Bruges. Um, so look, I mean, I, I think that we have a lot of depth now in defense uh, and, you know, Denis Odois was very good at playing different positions when we were, we were quite short um, in terms of, of staffing or in terms of personnel. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I, I think it probably was time for him to move on. Okay. Very good. All right, guys, let's get into talking about the match, but before we do, 
again, here's a very interesting topic to discuss. The starting 11. Craig, I'll give you first shot at this. What were your thoughts about the starting 11 and the bench? I didn't have a lot of thoughts. I mean, it looked like the starting 11 from the previous um, game, other than, I guess, uh, Cabano in lieu of a Decordova Reed. Right. Um, and I thought, you know, Cabano on the left side may be able to give us a little bit of speed and, and width out there. But I didn't really think that it was a particularly significant uh, change versus what we've seen week in, week out with the sort of the the four three three setup that we, we've had for almost the entirety of the season. Um, it looked like Silva thought the personnel who have taken us this far were going to be the ones to deliver us the automatic promotion. We just needed to execute better. Okay, very good. Over to you, Emilio. Again, I have nothing against Joe Bryan. Let's just say, mm-hmm. but yeah. and I have my thoughts on Anthony Robinson. I prefer Anthony Robinson over Joe Bryan. So that was my only issue I have with the starting eleven. How about you? Yeah, obviously, you, you know, you know, my, you know my thoughts about Joe Bryan, but I'm, you know, I'm honest and grounded. But he so, played yeah, well, I thought. We're going to call him out as he played very, very well, and especially yeah. in that first half yesterday. And yeah, for me, it was. No, no qualms about Cabano starting. I think we obviously look a lot more lively, different type of player to Decadova Reed, but clearly Decadova Reed is more of an impact sub, in my opinion, than actually a starting 11. Just clearly makes more of an impact there. Um, so I would have preferred to see Robinson. I was, I was a little bit, I wasn't, you know, but in hindsight, Brian did a good job. And Seri as well. I was critical of maybe not, not putting Seri back in. So I yep. looked at our performances with and without Seri. We've seen. People may criticise, you know, for or against, you know, um, Seri being in the squad or not. But you look at when we've not had him, we've tinkered too much in that midfield. Well, I mean, it's Seri, then it's Shalabar, then it's Reed, and it's Kearney. There's no consistency in the midfield. And you see some of our performances have dipped because we've tinkered a little bit too much. So right. Silva has tinkered a bit in that midfield, trying to find that winning formula. But I thought we were more steady, more consistent when Seri was starting week in, week out. And was rested in Keegan when he had midweek games. And we've started losing that consistency because it's been a bit too much tinkering. So, yeah, I'm allowed to call Silver a tinker man from it. But, yeah, but that was my only thing. I would have preferred to see a Seri. But net-net, we still did a job against a, a you know, fairly average Preston team. Yeah, and the fans just, love Seri right now. That's what's quite yeah, interesting yeah, to yeah, see. Yeah. They have a song. I don't know if you could hear it. Um, but, you know, that he's Marco Silva's man and he's better than Zidane. That's the main yeah. rhyme in the song. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'm just sharing this comment from Colm. He says, Joe mm-hmm. Bryan, man of the match. We'll talk about man of the match in a little bit. And I have to share this as well because it's from Steve Turner. Can we give <laughs> man of the match as Fuerte beating Giannis to it? Sorry, Giannis. Uh, yeah, of course we, we can, Steve, because you know Giannis has to mention Fuerte on any episode of mm-hmm. Cottage Talk. He just has to do it. And I'm sure he will be sending a comment as we speak. Okay, guys, let's get into the match. Craig, I'll go to you first, and I want to talk about the opening stages that phone were controlling the match. I watched back the first half. Today, I, I watched the second half on the plane. But then I thought that uh, Preston North End gave Fulham a little bit of, of a scare. So I want to get your thoughts about the opening stages, Craig, through your eyes. Yeah, it was quite a strange start to the match. Fulham were dominated and fairly comfortable, and then I think it was Chet Evans the controversial Chet Evans, uh, who yeah. almost scored or hit off the post. Um, and it sort of almost materialized out of nowhere. So I think it it was a kind of early warning shot that although we were clearly the superior team, 
we we would need to stay concentrating throughout the match. I think once we scored the goal pretty early on the ninth minute or so, it did settle nerves. And, you know, it was really the first goal was really down to the work that was done by Joe Bryan on the left side, checking off two defenders, cutting inside and and, and laying off a brilliant pass for uh, Mitrovic to finish. But it was a quite it was quite strange, you know. There, both at the beginning of the first half and of the second half, yeah. Preston North End actually had reasonable opportunities to score. They know? absolutely did, Craig, and that's what's strange about this. I'm glad that you talked about that, Emilio, because that's going to then uh, go to talking about the goal. And again, after they have their spell, then it doesn't take much for Fulham to get that goal. You know, you could mm-hmm. say that we're controlling the match, and then they have a spell. But then I, I won't say out of nowhere, Emilio, mm-hmm. you get the goal from Mitro. And uh, let's talk about the opening goal, because as you and I were talking about off air, you said this to me, that this goal changed the, the match yeah, because yeah. you thought that the save by Rodak, if he doesn't yeah. make that save, we have a different match. So this changes yeah. the game, the opening exactly. goal. Exactly. And you think about it, you know, two poor defeats in the last two games and Nerves were starting to creep in. A number of fans starting to question Fulham's bottle. You know, have they got enough gas to get them over the finishing line? So, those, you know, including me, obviously, I was a little bit starting to feel nervous. I started to see, you know, similarities to the 1982-83 seasons when we were dominating, you know, third place, comfortable, looking for automatic promotion, and suddenly we blew it in that last quarter of the season. So nerves were starting to creep in. And then when we saw that chance, you know, give Rodex some credit, he made a good reaction save there. That, had that gone in... Like I said, different story. It might have been a, a comfortable three. You know, nerves were started to creep in. There would have been a, bit, a few jeers in the crowd. You know, that 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 impacts the morale on the pitch. So the right. fact that we then sort of got away with murder, bit of a kick up the backside. We regrouped. Joe Bryan in the first 10, 15 minutes was making a lot of forward runs. You know, looking very positive, showing trying to prove a point. Felt like he was trying to pro- he was trying to pr- prove his value in his squad, ready for next season. Maybe he had, he had a point to prove to the manager. Played very very well in that first half. And that pass to, to Mitrovic was sublime. And I didn't think Mitrovic was going to get there, to be honest. It was the other end of the pitch. But for me, I thought slightly to the left. But blimey, we look at Mitrovic. Great goal, Fantastic goal. Great finish. Great reaction. Got there first. And, and, and you know, pinpoint shots right in, the, you know, right in the corner of the goal. But compare that to a year ago, Mitrovic would have no, been nowhere near that ball. That, that's what confidence does to you. Appetite, hunger, confidence. Things always seem to go well for you when you're in that. But Emilio, I think it goes beyond everything that you're saying. I agree Mm. with all that, but it also has to do with the structure of Marco Silva's Mm. system. I think that's a factor in this too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Playing to you know the team are playing as as a squad, as playing as a team. Exactly. Thing you know, but there are you know we know where there's weaknesses in this in this team. There's no team is perfect, and you know the owners I'm sure will, will address that in the summer. But overall. You know that that kick up the backside when that that could be one nil down. And suddenly, this is a thing. How many times have you seen the, the Premier League clubs get away with murder? One minute later, one nil. You know this is the Premier League is going to be ruthless. So again, we may not get many chances. That's an You've interesting way to put it, Emilio. We've got to take because... them when they come. And we were on the reverse side there. Got away yes. with it. Packed one nil. And it. it happens all the time in the Premier League. I'm glad yeah. that you mentioned that. So that might actually be a good sign, Emilio, because that's what you need to do yeah. in the Premier League. It's very ruthless. And over to you, Craig. Let's talk about the second goal. And what's interesting about this, this is a fantastic finish from Fabio. <laughs> and it's great, but it also saddens me because I think we all know that he's going to leave. But you see his ability here. And just a fantastic finish by Fabio. But it wasn't just him that 
was involved with the goal? No, you're right. I mean, the goal materialized out of nothing. You had uh, a clearance by Rodak, the goalkeeper. Um, I think Mitro headed it on to Cabano. uh, Niskin's Cabano. Cabano's cross was actually partially deflected, and Carvalho made quite quite an excellent finish. A couple of observations. I think first... The Preston North End players really never got that close to to our players in the game, except when they were trying to foul them. Um, and Mitro had too much space for his header. Cabano, <laughs> even though the, his his cross was partially deflected, he had a fair amount of space as well. Um, the second observation I make was that we had most joy on the left side. The first goal was from uh, Brian coming down on the left side. The second goal, um, Cabano on the left side. And we seemed to have focused... I think more on the left than, than on the, the right. Right, and the third is you're right. It was it was a classy finish. Could the keeper have done better? Possibly, possibly. Okay, and that's going to lead to talk about the third goal, Emilio, because uh, Mitro scores his 40th goal. I can't believe I'm saying that. 40 goals, Emilio. <laughs> I'm curious how Scott Parker thinks that Solanke is uh, a better striker. I, I don't get it, but okay, fine. He can think that. But Mitro has now scored 40 goals in this division, which is unbelievable. And this was a great finish. But also, it's set up beautifully from Harry Wilson. What's interesting about him, Emilio, I want to get your thoughts on him. Because is it just me or is he basically hot and cold? Because I think at times he can be dominant and other times he can go missing. Am I being too critical of Harry Wilson? Because he was on here, but I think other times I think he goes missing a little bit. Yeah, no, nothing. That's fair. I think, like you said, you don't see him involved for ninety minutes during a game when he's playing the full game. You see him in, sp- in bits and spurts. A little bit like Quint computer. Dempsey, maybe. I'll, I'll yeah, use Quint Dempsey as an example. There are similarities. There's a good analogy there, and I think Wilson. It will be, you know, he drifts in and out of games, but those moments he does drift in and out of games, he's involved. How many assists has he got? He's yep. got a few goals himself. Always dangerous. Always trying to catch opposing defenders on the break. And that one too. That run from Wilson, first and foremost. And then the link-up play, the one-two with him and Mitrovic, and you know was quality. And again, that's that's a team playing with confidence. You know the fact that we're two-nil up, we can play with a bit more flair. We can, you know, look at that dominant spell, and that's you know in that second in that first half, incredible. But what you saw was the clinical nature of Mitrovic's finishing. Literally one-two, bang, no hesitation, no no additional touch. He only had one thing on his mind, and look, and that was clinical. That was ruthless. That's from a striker who's going to break even more records. Apparently. Is it Preston North End have only scored 44 goals all season as a team? Yeah, Mitrovic has scored almost that himself, single-handedly. So, look, you know, that, that ruthless finish was exactly what we've seen all season. It, and, you know, overall, you know, we went into half-time, game over, and that started down tools. I know everyone wanted to see a 6-7-0 victory, but you know what? Preserve your players, which is why we'll talk about that in a minute, all the, some of those tactical substitutions second half. Yep. Preserve them. We've got Bournemouth on Saturday. That's, that's, that's more important than trying to win 5-0 last night. Okay, excellent stuff. And now let's uh, focus on the second half. And Craig, just give me your overall thoughts on the second half. Because, again, when I look at it, I wouldn't say cruising. Because, again, as you already mentioned, Preston North End, I thought, played well to start the second half and looked dangerous and had an opportunity to. They were starting to get more corners again. I, I noticed that. I'm like, okay, here we go again. But I don't think Fulham were holding on. Give me your – just your – reaction to the second half just your analysis well look Preston North End were in a deep hole they were down three nil 
and their best player had hobbled off injured in, in the, I think around the 25th minute with yeah. Chet Evans. So they didn't really have their best striker on the pitch. And this is a, 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 uh, a, uh, a, a team that struggles to score any goals. Um, they started the second half pretty well. They, they came, I think they hit the post again. There's a strong save by Rodak off the post, um, which again, I think caught us all a little bit by surprise. It was at the far end of the pitch. So I couldn't see, I couldn't see it very well, but um, after, after we weathered the storm for four or five minutes, um, it was business as usual. I wouldn't say the team cruised, but what it, the team did do is it killed the game off by possession. Okay. And um, yeah. there were points, you know, many points in the second half where the fans were going, Olay, or they're going, shoot, shoot every time. I mean, the ball even gets passed back to Rodak, and everyone in the Hammersmith end is, is chanting, shoot. Um, it was just a, it was actually a fairly easy, fairly dominant possession oriented display in the second half just to kill off the off the game yeah. more than more than anything else once we had weathered the sort of the initial rush in the first four or five minutes okay over to you Amelia your thoughts on the second half you also talked about the subs so feel free to share your thoughts on that yeah absolutely I think it's you know it's we didn't have to really get out of second gear did we to be honest it was the Preston for all their worth they they tried to make a bit of a you know, run for it in the first five, 10 minutes of the second half. Overall, you know, it was all about possession, like Craig said. And, you know, it was important to protect the players, your key players for the for the Saturday's game against Bournemouth. Why why risk? Why take the unnecessary? And it was also an opportunity to just give some of the other players a bit of game time. You know, at the end of the day, you want to keep your players on their toes. You want to keep them fit. And you want to give them as much opportunity just to just to uh, relish the, the victory. So those substitutions were the right things to do. It's nice to win 5-6-0. And if we wanted to push harder, I'm sure we could have got more goals, but taking Harrison Reed off, to be honest, I think he, he looked a bit disgruntled. I'm trying to say, you know, I, I like to look at, as you know, I like to look at people's body language and reactions. I know he looked know. a bit disgruntled when he got substituted, but clearly it was tactical. If Harrison Reed yeah. clearly is probably going to start away to Bournemouth on Saturday. So keep right. him fresh, take him off and, you know, put in a Seri who did who put in a good shift and obviously a different type of player to Reed. But same thing, Mitrovic. I think let's let's not talk about the uh, the miss. He missed one of the easiest chances of the season, in my opinion. You know, yeah. one on he one did. with the keeper. If he had more time, because he had so much time, he tried to place it. Or, or, you know, albeit goalkeeper made a good save, but if he had to shoot first time, I reckon he would have gone with power and probably would have scored. But again, can't be critical with a forty goal, you know, person. But overall, he could have got his hat trick, and that, he's he's missed, you know, not many easier chances than that one all season. But overall, comfortable second half, and it was just a matter of running down that clock, wasn't it? I think the players wanted the celebrations on the pitch and they were clearly waiting for that to happen. So I'm surprised Tom Kane, I think I'll say this, I'm surprised Tom Kane lasted as long as he did because he got a warranted yellow card in the first half, a clumsy foul. Yes. And it didn't look it didn't look right. And he was quite careless with his passing yesterday, to be honest. And you know, but then the second half he sort of you know, there was a few moments here and there. But overall I'm surprised I think someone mentioned it earlier on in the chat. I'm surprised that Kenny wasn't taken off a lot sooner because it didn't seem as effective as he could have been, to be honest, and quite careless with his passing and quite careless with his fouling as well. He committed quite a few fouls if you want to analyze it. Okay, very good stuff, guys. Okay, coming up next, we're going to talk about man of the match. We're also going to talk about the upcoming match against Bournemouth and Fulham's chances of winning the league. 
Okay, guys, let's not waste any time. And if you're watching live, feel free to share who your man of the match was. No, Giannis, it's not Floyd Ayite, okay? <laughs> so over to you, Craig. We've already talked a little bit about it. I think Joe Bryan is a good shout. We've had some people mention Joe Bryan. Who's your man of the match? I'll go with Joe Bryan. Joe I Bryan, that okay. The work he did along left side was fairly decisive, especially getting us the lead. And, you know, we, we tended to attack quite successfully along left side and cause them quite a lot of problems. It's hard to say that he stood out that much more than anyone else. And, of course, Mitrovic scored two goals, and he would have a fairly good claim for being man of the match. But I thought the work that was done along left side was pretty decisive. Okay, I'm going to share some comments before I go to you, Emilio. From Giannis, Joe Bryan, my man of the match, hands down. Let's see. Ross Nuttall says Harrison. Okay, Stephen Murray says man of the match, Mitro. Who else? Well, we've already mentioned Joe Bryan. So over to you, Amelia. Is it Joe Bryan, Mitro, or someone else? To be honest, it's probably a bit boring to give it to Mitrovic. To be honest, I think if you want to look at on, <laughs> you know, on technicality and quality, probably Mitrovic because he was involved in all, scored two and involved in the third. But uh, it's getting a bit boring. Any man of the matches he won this season. So I'm going to give it to Joe Bryan as well. I think he had a good first half in particular. Second half, a little bit quiet. He wasn't actually, you know, he didn't have much to do in the second half. Didn't really venture forward. You, um, so but overall, I'm going to give it to give it to Joe Bryan, to be honest. I think... I could, you could give it to Rodak because he made that crucial save at the beginning yep. of the game, but clearly he made a couple of good saves that game. So Joe Bryan, Rodak, and uh, Mitrovic. Well, I'll give it to Joe Bryan just sentimentally. I think before he leaves the club, it's worth him getting a, a man of the match for the uh, for the match. Yesterday. From at least cottage talk. <laughs> yeah, from this one cottage talk, yeah. Okay. Steve Reynolds says, Rodak on the basis mm. that the first half saved me have made things tough. And like you said, and of mm. course, Giannis, okay, Giannis, fine, whatever. <laughs> Got to give you your Florida Ete shout. That's fine. Let's see. Uh, very good stuff, guys. Okay. Chris Davidson, Tom Kenny, man of the match. I saw that. I saw what that. A, but what but, a surprise, but that, Chris. But, the, but that's also our stuff going but, back and forth that I haven't shared, but tongue and cheek stuff with Chris. But mm. he, you know, again, very interesting stuff. But I'm actually going to share a comment from Chris mm. because I want to get both of your thoughts on this because. Here's something that, you know, and again, we, we were talking about Fabio, right? So I want to get your thoughts on this. Chris says, Carvalho was excellent again. He's such a talent. will soon be starting for Liverpool. I'm not so sure about starting. He's going to be a big loss. Craig, is Fabio going to be a big loss? He's going to be a massive loss. I, I think that he was, his speed, this, the space he creates for other players, um, the amount of attention that the opposing teams have to have to show him, you know, it's more than just the statistics that he racks up. And um, we're going to need a player like that with the pace, the skill, and, and really the lateral movement that he offers. So it is going to be a big loss. I don't know whether he'll be starting for Liverpool. I don't um, know either about that. But I understand but, uh, that I think it's going to be a think, loss too. I do think as we as we look ahead to next season, if we want to have Mitro effective, we're going to have to have a lot of movement and speed up front to create the space for Mitro to operate. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great shout there, Craig. Emil, what are your thoughts about this? And also what Craig just shared about how this could affect Mitro. Yeah, I think again, Minute um clearly proved a point with a great finish with his goal. So, but yeah, it will be a, it will be a big miss. But you know, then the day it's 
you know, dare I say it, I don't want players playing at the club who don't want to be there, to be honest. So it's I'm, I'm all done with all this, Carvalho. You know, we've we've waited one season for him to sign a contract. He's chosen not to, and he's decided to move on. So let's be let's be very clear as well. It hasn't been confirmed by the club that he's leaving. It will be. It's it's just a matter of formality. But he hasn't I been confirmed yet. But no, he wants to leave. I don't. I have no qualms about that. I don't want players at the club who don't have the desire to want to stay. He's had twelve. He's had twelve months to sign a contract and has chosen not to. So I can't be sympathetic about that. Okay. Very good. Excellent stuff, guys. All right. So two final topics are this. Let's talk about Bournemouth, and then we'll talk mm-hmm. about the league itself, winning the league. So, Craig, I'll give you first uh, shot at this. Now, it's a huge <clears throat> match. We'll call it what it is, the Parker Derby, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Going back to play Scott Parker. Is it personal or are the players just going to be professional? You know, I'm curious your view on how you think they're viewing this. Are they, do you think it's just another match? I'm talking about the players. Or do you think that they're thinking, I might have a point to prove here? I think for the players, it's just another match. I Even for Mitrovic, mm. whom um, Parker didn't play very much last season, I think for him, it's just another match. The, okay. the, these guys, they know one one week, you know, they know that the, the, the players and the managers on the other bench, one week they're their opponents, next week they're their teammates. And I think they just see this as a job they have to do. I think for the fans, it carries quite a lot of emotion. Oh, absolutely. This, all the success that Scott Parker did have at the club, and he had success at the club. He did. Never really won over the fans. He was seen as sort of a Chelsea implant or a Tottenham implant. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, the fans, I think, during the good times respected Parker, but they never really took to the, his style of play, which was a fairly conservative uh, uh, tactical approach. And... Um, and the fact that he left for just another club, a kind of a lateral move, I think also left the fans with a little bit of bitter a, taste. a bitter taste. There were some songs in the Hammersmith End about Scotty Parker last night, which I'm not <laughs> going to repeat because this is a family podcast. But they okay. do reflect, I think, some lingering hostility from um, at least <laughs> some sections of, of the Hammersmith End. Okay, well, before I go to Emilio, you already talked about what it might be with the fans. Do you think it's more to do with his conservative play or maybe just the way that he acted with the fans? You know, and again, the way that he held himself, you know, I criticized him, Craig, because I don't think he ever took personal blame for any loss that Fulham had. And I and that bothered me for whatever reason. He would blame the players, but he never seemed to put any mm. on himself. So is it the style or... Could it also be him as an individual? I think it's a couple of factors. I think, first of all, I think the style of play was very conservative and sometimes felt it was unimaginative. Um, I think, secondly, although he did play for the club at the end of his career, you know, he was always perceived as really more of a sort of having a Chelsea pedigree. And in much the same way as Mark Hughes had a fair amount of success when he was manager at Fulham, but the yep. fans never took to Mark Hughes. That's a great point. And by the way, the fans, even when Ranieri had a decent start, okay, they didn't take that to him either. Anybody with a kind of Chelsea pedigree carries a certain amount interesting. of paint with them when they come to Fulham. There's no question about it. And okay. so I think some of that has to do with it. I don't think the way – look, I think the way he conducted himself 
you know, in press conferences was entirely appropriate. I, I met him okay. once at, at an event and he was charming and intelligent. Emilio um, met him and felt the same way. Yeah, but, it, you know, he just, the fans never took to him even when we were relatively successful. Yeah. So there's a bit of hostility. I actually don't think it's the kind of deep, visceral hatred that sometimes we have towards other managers like, I don't know, Warnock or somebody like that. Right. Um, but, you know, he was perceived fairly or, or unfairly as a fairly cold fish, and that was reflected in the style of play. Oh, very interesting. Over to you, Emilio. I want to get your thoughts on what Craig shared, what I shared, and also your thoughts on Bournemouth and, of course, Scott Parker. You've met him, and you had some very nice things to say about your conversation with him, and I'm glad that uh, Craig mentioned he had mentioned too. I've heard that he's very nice in person, and uh, I believe that that could be very true, and I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying what I perceive. But what are your thoughts about the whole Chelsea angle to this? Yeah, interesting. Because I was at I was at the same event as Craig was that that about a couple of years back when when he was the manager. Yeah. And again, he was all I recall is very professional but very stubborn. You know, I was criticizing his <laughs> style of football and his tactics, and he was very assertive to me that he wasn't going to change. That's the way. That's the way he was brought yeah. up to play football. And that's the way he wants to manage the team as well. So, <clears throat> look, he stuck to his guns. Two years later, he's still playing the same brand of football, same philosophy. So, look, I think the club. I've got a job to do. There's no, there's no urgency to beat Bournemouth on Sun on Saturday. The key thing is not to lose a game and pretty much guarantee the title. We're what inclusive of goal difference with ten points clear, and Bournemouth have got a maximum of fifteen points to to get. So they have to win more than we do. So overall, yesterday's promotion has put to bed the Parker legacy. Let's move on from that. You know, I think it's it's. In, in a way, if they get promoted, maybe it guarantees us potentially two wins next season. So let's look at it from a positive. You know, trying to put a positive okay. spin here. That's an you interesting know. way to look at it. That's you know, let's, an interesting let's, way to look at it. Let's try to see if we can get some points next year. But overall, I think we've moved on now. We've had a successful season. We've got promoted. Okay. We've changed our brand. I never really considered the, the Chelsea legacy there that Craig mentioned. But it's a good point. It's a valid point. It's interesting. You know, but overall, you know, the fact that we've still managed to retain Mitrovic, you know, that if Parker had still been a manager, we would have we wouldn't have had the squad we've got now. Probably wouldn't be in a position where we are now. So again, we've moved on from that, and thankfully the owners made the right decision. And I didn't I didn't like the way he brokered an uh, an engineer to move out of the club and try to to screw the club over. That's that's what frustrated me. I said, you give him a chance when he's manager. Didn't work out. You support the team through good and bad times, but the way the way it ended was a bit un, unnecessary. That that's painted a big black cloud over my view of yeah. him. So to be honest. We've moved on. Let's not. I'd rather we don't talk about Scott Parker. More. Let's talk okay. about Marco Silva and what we do in the Premier League next year. I'm there with you, Emilio. Trust I will me. say one thing though. Go if ahead. The Craig. weather's good in Bournemouth. It's going to be a great away day because you go to the beach. <laughs> I went to the last Bournemouth away match. Uh, I can't go this time around, and it's a lot of fun on that beach, Russ. You, no, you I, really ought to visit it. I. Listen, I've heard from my friend, um, sorry to drop a name, but Asmir Begovic had nothing but good things to say about Bournemouth. So he told me uh, how much he enjoyed Bournemouth, not just the club, but where he lived as well. So, or where he was uh, playing his football, because I believe he still lives in London. But anyways, enough about Asmir. And the other point to mention as well is, you you want to get the job done as quickly as possible, but it would also be nice to celebrate the championship at home. So do that against Nottingham Forest next week. Rather, than, I can see both sides. You know, you want to prove okay. a point in Bournemouth Stadium 
stick two fingers up to Scott Park and win the title there. But equally, you know, it'd be nice to actually win the title at Craven Cottage. So it's, it, I'm, so I'm split to be honest. I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know what the fans who are watching what they prefer. Do they prefer to win the title at Bournemouth or do it in front of your home fans against Nottingham Forest? What do people think? It's a great question. If you're watching live, feel free to comment when you want Fulham to win the title. And actually, you know, again, they haven't done it yet, so they still have work to do. And that's going to lead to end the show. Now win the league. I actually tweeted this out last night Mm. because my number one thing, Craig, was automatic promotion. Just get automatic promotion so we could start planning for the Premier League. And then I could think about the league, league, winning the league. Well, now we could talk about winning the league. Here's my question to you about this. Do you need Fulham to win the league? Would you be very upset if they did not win the league, if, say, Bournemouth overtook them? Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think it's unlikely. But how important is this to you that they win the league now? Well, I remember when we won the league in 2001. Right. And there was a parade down Fulham Road, Fulham Palace Road. So you kind of want, I see where this is going. Yep. And uh, I would love to see a repeat of that. 21 years later, and I think okay. all the fans would. Okay. Clearly, and- the, the priority was to gain automatic promotion. We've achieved that. We can plan for next season and all the rest of it. But it would be really the sweetest icing on the cake to be able to celebrate on the streets with the players <laughs> in an open-top bus, you know, a fantastic yeah. season, and have a, have a parade that we haven't had in 21 years. Okay. And I actually want that. I want them to win the league. Let me just stress this. I'm just playing devil's advocate as we talk, you know, hosting a show. I'm just saying, do you need them to win the league? And Emilio, I'll ask you that question because I obviously want them to win the league. But for me, the the priority, and you and I have talked about this, was promotion. Well, now that's done. Now win the league. And again, it will feel a disappointment if we don't win the league. And with the commanding position we've been in, you know, this season and, you know, with the players that we've got, we should be winning the league, to be honest. You know, the fact that, you know, we, we've le- you know, we've started a bit in recent games, but overall, you know, I, and the other thing I was talking to the fans, yeah, some people around me, is, is psychology. I know it doesn't matter whether you win the, with 86 points or 90 points, but winning with less than 90 points doesn't feel like it's enough, even though you win the title. Because like, if you look at all the clubs over the last few seasons, they've all won quite comfortably, and yet we've, yep. we've started a lot last few games. So it'd be nice to w- get some commanding performances get over the 90 point mark and that feels more dominant two points per game that was in okay. my head to be champions you've got to get them two 90. points per game to 92 okay psychology i know it doesn't make a difference whether you win the title with 86 or 92 right. but if you want to classify yourself as a, a top club versus a good club at this level and it has yep. been let's be honest it's been an it's been a weak division we've said that all season it's not been a quality division yeah we still agree have and hit that 90 point mark so psychologically i want two more wins you know, win the title, but get to two points per game. I know it doesn't make a difference, but psychologically it does. Okay. And I'm going to share some comments. This Mm. is from Steve Reynolds, who Mm. actually has been making this argument to me personally. No one remembers who comes in second. Mm. Let's see. Val says, very important to win the league. You can't let the other lot pip you at the post. Oh, man. Uh, So, Craig, what are your thoughts about that? You know, again, is Bournemouth a factor in this for you? if they came in second or do you think it's important for them to win the league? And what are your thoughts about Emilio sharing, getting to that 90 point threshold? Look, I think you do want to win the league uh, because it certainly is a way of saying that you are the best team. um, And it sets you up as well as you can be for the following season. I don't really 
focus that much on whether we have 86 or 90 points. I will, I do agree with you. I do think the league is weaker than it was three or four years ago. There are reasons for that. There's less money around to buy foreign players. You've had several of the large teams um, get docked points over <clears throat> financial irregularities. Um, you've had others under pressure with the financial fair play rules. So some of the teams that could have caused us problems this season didn't have the money to do so. And I think we had a substantial financial advantage. And if we don't win the league, you really feel that maybe you didn't uh, you didn't take uh, you know full advantage of you know really the the dominance that we had financially. Um, but bear one thing in mind: no matter how well we do, we still are going to need to get a lot of new players in next season. I agree. And I think one of the salutary effects of having lost these the two previous games is that it's a reminder that we are going to need reinforcements. Totally Maybe not the wholesale changes that we did in 2018. There's probably too many. You need to re retain some semblance of continuity. But make no mistake, there are you know, probably five, six, seven spots that are probably going to have to be upgraded on the team. I totally yeah. agree, Craig. And that's, again, an interesting sidebar to all of this with the losses, I thought about that to say, I agree with you, that the losses, not that it needs to be reminded that we need to have reinforcements, but in a way, I'm glad that it, it comes out. It makes you think about it. And I'm like, okay, where are the weaknesses? And this is when they need to evaluate. And now they can have a little bit of a jump. And I know they're already working on it, but now you know you're in the Premier League. There's no doubt on, of that now. Now you go full force. You find out where you're weak. You make your decisions now, Craig. You don't wait until after the season to make your decisions on building your team for next season. You do it now. I think you'd agree with me on that. Look, I think it's been pretty clear for a while that we were going to get promoted. And so the team, I don't have any excuse for not already having done quite a bit of planning. Um, I, I think the big advantage of automatic promotion is that we can start signing players uh, fairly quickly right. once the, the window reopens. Whereas when we went to uh, through the playoffs, we were always in the back foot um, and behind the curve in terms of trying to uh, recruit uh, new players. Okay. But it, we are going to have to be quite um, uh, unsentimental, if I can put it like that, Sure. in deciding whom to recruit because some of uh, our fan favorites uh, may not, uh, be uh, up for the Premier League challenge. Bear in mind, several of these players have been through one or even two promotions. Right. And so they've already been tested at the Premier League level. And, and for one reason or another, they were found either wanting or they really couldn't make the starting 11. So I, I, I think the club is going to have to be okay. uh, very, as I said, very unsentimental uh, around recruitment. Totally agree. Guys, we do have to wrap this up. Great show. Emilio, before we go, final thoughts, and we'll wrap this up. Look, we've you know, had a fantastic season. You know, we, maybe, we, maybe we should do a show about comparing this, this season to the 19, the 2001 season. Maybe, you know, with a lot of it. That would be a great show. That would, it, Craig is, be is show. smiling. I, I, that would be a great show. I'm, I'm with you on yeah, that. Yeah. And you guys yeah, could really fill me in on that. I wasn't a supporter then. I think yeah. that's a great idea. You know, but overall, you know, we've got the promotion. The, you know, we deserve to be there, to be honest, over the course of the season. And, you know, I agree with Craig's points. It's a moment of celebration. Let's enjoy the championship. 
Let's enjoy the promotion. They've got lots to look forward to. And I think we're going to see some interesting times. Let's let's also praise the owners here. With the, I don't think the owners get enough credit. You know, again, it's, you know, two consecutive, pro- well, it's the third promotion under their reign. I know we've had three relegations under their reign. We've had three promotions yep. under their reign as well. So they can make, take lessons from the previous experiences. And I think they'll learn from it. And I think we've got a better manager in situ. Let's let's see. Next season's another season. It's let's see, but let's enjoy. Let's enjoy the moment. You know, these I moments agree. don't happen every every day. I agree, Mr. Coben. It's been way too long. Thank you so much for joining. Thank Amelia you, and I. Thank you, Amelia. All right. Thank you very much, well, guys, guys. Thank you very much. It's been a great show. We're going to have many more shows, and I'm sorry that I have not been as available as uh, I have been in the past. But we'll be doing more shows, and trust me, we're going to do a ton of shows next season for. Falling back in the Premier League. We are Premier League, but we do have to wrap this up. For Craig Coben and Emilio Danella, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.